Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, Throttle Timepieces, Get Shit Done Coffee, Reverend Motors, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. We surely thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Uh, a little bit of a look back at the weekend that was with one James Dahlman. Great interview, great uh, chance to catch up with him. Spent the weekend uh, making some memories down in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Beautiful racetrack, light crowd, uh, but uh, um, some some awesome racing. And he had the opportunity to take in the collective experience uh, through my good friend Dave Drakes. Uh, I wanted to let you know that Big MX Radio is brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. They have an awesome sale going on. You should go to foxracing.ca to go check out everything that they have in store for you. And I believe their winter stuff has an extra 20% off. I also would like you to go over to BigMXRadio.com. Hopefully you'll enter our raffle. We're looking forward to trying to raise some money for some riding clinics in this coming year. And we can. We, the only way we can make it happen is if we sell out of the tickets that we have. Uh, and uh, sales have been good, uh, but we uh, there are still tickets available. So get them while you still can. Top prize being uh, 2022 YZ252 stroke. And then there are 11 additional prizes, including team race jerseys from the Team Solitaire guys, Ryan Surratt, as well as Robbie Wageman. So go to BigMXRadio.com. Top post is pinned there, and that is your chance to win uh, a, a brand-new dirt bike for your garage. Um, uh, looking at Garrett Rockley on this one. Looking at Kieran McCullough on this one. Uh, Jonesy down in uh, down under in Australia. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't yet, list, uh, you haven't yet uh, bought your raffle tickets, what the heck are you doing? Uh, go to BigMXRadio.com uh, and get after it. So uh, without further ado, here's an interview and a podcast that I did with with, uh, with the great James Dolman. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, as well as Fox Racing in the U.S. Fox Racing Canada is running a deal right now. They have an extra 20% off all sale items, especially winter Fox items. You want to get... Uh, looking your best from the head to the toe, and uh, the best way to do do that is to go over to foxracing.ca, uh, go through all the stuff they have for sale, as well as some of their brand new 22 items. Uh, go check it out, as well as you can go to reverendmotors.com. They've got all your different types of oil products, whether that's uh, uh, transmission oil, mixing oil from your, for your two-stroke, or they do have that high-gloss silicone spray uh, that uh, makes the bikes look that much nicer underneath the tent before, of course, you go out onto the track and uh, and use them what, for what they're meant for, getting that throttle therapy. I am your host. 
host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all of these podcasts, this being episode 844 of the Big MX Radio Podcast. With me on the line, it's his first time on the phone, but he is a repeat offender. First time we did this, he was in studio, and by in studio, I mean... I, in, in studio, I mean in living room, uh, where I am still at, uh, just uh, on the phone this way. Um, he participated in the collective experience. Uh, he's a moto winner here in the, the beautiful province of Manitoba. He's number 89 in your program, likely number one in the heart of one beautiful, uh, his girlfriend, Maya. James Dahlman. James, how's it going? Hey, Brad. Not too bad. Thanks for having me on your show. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, my friend. You and I, two peas in the pod. Uh, we came across each other uh, about three or four summers ago. I needed a place to sleep and just sort of like chose to sleep in Grant Price's motorhome slash camper. Uh, you guys were okay with it because I told you so. The rest is history. Absolutely. That's exactly how it went. You just rolled in and it was basically too late to turn you away. Fair enough. Yeah, it's way too dark outside for me to even find where else I was going to sleep that particular evening. So uh, a friendship was budded from there. And every once in a while, I'll uh, go to start watching Supercross. And there won't even be a knock at my door, but there will be a James Dahlman as well as Kieran McCullough. Uh, and sometimes uh, some extras rolling through. And uh, yeah, you guys have become a fixture here at the Gebhardt household. That absolutely cracks me up every time I think about it. The fact that we did not text you, we just completely ignored you, said, yeah, we'll let you know. And we just rolled on in expecting to watch Supercross. Here you are sitting with your new girlfriend and we're like, well, we're here. Yeah. Uh, we were, her and I were about to sit down for uh, a little uh, dinner and Supercross, maybe grab a bite to eat during the uh, the heat races, and yeah, you goofballs just showed up, uh, essentially unannounced. There was some sort of a discussion on whether or not you guys were going to come, but I believe there was a we'll let you know portion of that communication line. Uh, there, I was not told, but uh, you know what? That's totally okay. Uh, glad to have you guys, and uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, to chop it up and uh, um, um, get some differing opinions because uh, if, if nothing else, I love to have Kieran here to, uh, to, to just like just go back and forth with, this. with that kid. Um, extremely knowledgeable at the sport, like you are as well. Uh, but when Kieran gets on something, he sticks to it, and uh, and and not e and even if he doesn't have a good argument as to why, which I can really respect. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a good time arguing. Plus, I mean, watching uh, you guys get excited over fantasy is always comical to me. For sure. And, you know, I, 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 like, turn myself inside out about it. I'm, I'm all over the place. I need to have good, uh, a good finish in order for me to have a, a good night for uh, Pulp of Mix fantasy-wise. Uh, yourself a little bit different. You, like, you, you pick your guys and you just sort of, like, live and let live. You throw your money in the hat for the, for the, the competition league, the Big MX Radio official league, uh, where we do have 100% payback to the top 10. We've got over 600 bucks in the pot that way. Uh, but, yeah, you, you, you sleep soundly at night after uh, making some uh, some good picks or maybe some bad ones yeah I mean I've been playing since the league came out now and um, the first couple of years I was dead set I'm like I'm gonna be good at this game turns out I'm not very good at the game so I've just come to accept terms that I'm just not very good at picking a fantasy team Fair enough. Didn't even read, but he understands the cure, uh, the terms and conditions uh, of uh, the heartache that uh, comes along with Pulp Mix Fantasy. And uh, yeah, just let her buck. Um, so 
you and I are on the phone this uh, this evening because uh, you yourself had uh, a weekend among all weekends as far as uh, being a motocross fan, a supercross fan, somebody who lives and dies by this sport, someone who dedicates his time, money, and everything else in between to this sport. You were able to uh, culminate that this weekend by taking in the collective experience uh, put on by my good friend Dave Drakes. He's been on the show before. If you, if you haven't heard of Dave Drakes, this is probably your first time listening to the Big MX radio podcast so welcome aboard um but yeah you you i connected you with dave uh you reached out to him or he reached out to you and pretty seamless it looked like you really had uh like kind of all the i's dotted t's crossed uh and you were able to uh take in one hell of a weekend tell me how it all broke down yeah absolutely dave drake's from the collective experiences what a class act he's super great to talk to easy to communicate and he's just a super friendly guy so I've heard of him listening to your podcast back when I first met you. And I actually got a chance to meet Dave Drakes when I went to Monster Cup back in 2019. So I sort of got to talk to him there. I talked to him about the collective experience, the program that they run and how the internship works. And naturally, instantly, I'm like, wow, like I have to do that at some point. Like that's a no brainer. And, you know, through whatever poor planning on my part and just not, it never comes to mind immediately some days, but I haven't done it yet. And Minneapolis was a great experience. Thanks to you for uh, hooking me up with a bit of a inside pass to get the experience. You know, you told Dave to give me a complimentary uh, collective experience. Now, wasn't quite complimentary because I was not feel good helping out a privateer, interrupting his program without giving them some sort of financial payback. Because I mean, they're not making much money from the night shows, so had to give them some cash out the back end as well. But Dave was super good. He laid out everything I would need to get my credential passes when I showed up, gave me a little bit of a dress code and assured me that I would have a team shirt when I showed up. And of course, as we both know, I definitely had that. Um, it was a There's photographic super... proof of that. I did you show up shirtless <laughs> and then knowing you were going to get a shirt or did you show up in the the shirt that you came upstairs with later? Yeah, I came in the flannel. I came upstairs with later. I was just okay. like, well, worst case, I'll wear something collared and as a Canadian, a flannel is, you know, about as fancy as we get. Yeah, that's the uniform. So, yeah, he made it super easy, gave my credential, everything, laid it all out good. So I came in, got my credential, like, right away. It took no time at all. Grabbed you and your chick, took you guys for your mandatory COVID test to get back into our country. So that's Amen. always worthwhile. And how did that work out for you? We never actually did get those results from those tests. We had to uh, book a test on on Sunday morning to go to the local Walgreens. And it actually, uh, you'll be happy to know that uh, it was actually eating Caitlin alive that somehow James Dolman had figured out how to get a, a, a PCR test and, and get the results uh, more efficiently than she was able to do. We, we literally had to re- rely on, uh, on the guidance of one James Dahlman in order to get our uh, our tests uh, completed and our results back. And it was absolutely seamless. Within an hour of taking the test, we both had a result. So thanks to you, James. Yeah, I mean, luckily I had that information passed on to me from another friend who, you know, they came from the States a bunch of times and traveled. So they, they gave me the inside track on that. Plus coming home from Anaheim 1, I had already done this in the past. So I learned the hard way by getting the, the wrong test the first time and not getting results for you know, five days or something ridiculous like that, which does not fly for our government to cross the border. So 
after you get your credential, like you said, you drop me and Caitlin off uh, at the hotel. I forget my bag. You're a gem, so you run it on back to me uh, just because you're that kind of guy. Um, and But your your evening had just started at that point. You check into, uh, actually, I think you were staying in an apartment. And uh, the plan for the evening was to hit up the Pulpamex show, uh, the live show at the brewery. Uh, you went. I wish I had, honestly, uh, just like kind of drop the ball as far as uh, ordering tickets for that. Uh, it looked like a lot of fun. Uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about going to that, uh, that event there, seeing dark side uh, with the pony, without the pony. Uh, and also you had a, a, a pretty, uh, a pretty cool encounter with, uh, with one Adam C and Cerullo. Yeah. So of course, after I leave the stadium, I go drop my bags off at the apartment, go get a bite to eat. And then I'm off to the in Brown brewery there in Minneapolis. Um, Pulp MX Live show, like you said. So the unfortunate part was I get there and I went by myself. Of course, you said you didn't get tickets. Our other buddy who was supposed to make it to the show didn't come in at all. So, and he didn't have tickets either. So I end up just sort of hanging out at the very back by the entrance all by myself. You know, I kind of find a nice spot, good view of the stage. And uh, show's going good. You know, it's good. It starts off good there. Steve and the guys, you know, they're, they're funny when they get on stage together. But, uh, you know, I'm just sort of hanging out, and I sort of out of the corner of my eye, I noticed this guy. He's just regular-looking dude for the most part. You know, he's wearing black pants, green hoodie. But the face looks kind of familiar, but I couldn't quite tell. So I kind of get a second look, and then I notice a knee brace, and I'm like, well, that's Adam Cincerillo. No way. If I just sort of fly up about five feet, and I don't know how to break the ice with these factory guys. I'm the weir- It's the weirdest thing. You see them in public. They're just standing there like a normal human being out in the open. And you're like, because they are one. What do I say to the guy? Yeah. Somehow they're just normal human beings. So I, you know, asked him about his knee and Adam's the most nicest human being on the planet, you know, starts chatting with me. Just, we're just hanging out at the back talking about, he's asking about the food truck outside and he goes outside and gets a cheeseburger, comes back in and he's telling me how he ate and hasn't eaten all day. He's telling me how it's, so freaking cold in Minneapolis, he can't believe it. And of course, me being Canadian, I give him the, huh, it's not even that cold here. And I'm sure you gave that expression multiple times this weekend. To that very same man about 25 minutes before you saw him, because that same night, I saw him at his hotel uh, trying to book an Uber. And it's actually so funny how you just mentioned these guys are normal guys take away the motorcycle because they're, they're, they're ungodly on two wheels. Um, and like take the motorcycle away and a lot of like they're just there's regular dudes they're just they're they're super fit they're uh some of them are goofy some of them are shy some of them are this that and the other thing and just li- i could hear ac trying to explain where he was to his uber driver and it, it couldn't have been more comical like the guy's like ah, he's like i don't even know where to tell you that i am right now i think i'm near fourth street like it could have been anyone trying to explain things that way, uh, but no, it was Adam Cincerullo, and uh, that's cool that you actually got that sort of uh, peek behind the curtain, the how the sausage is made, if you will, uh, of um, a factory superstar like that, because, uh, yeah, cold temperatures uh, were something that we dealt with, but uh, nothing in comparison to what they had in home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's always great. It makes me feel good knowing that some of the most ultimate athletes on the planet struggle with the same regular people things that I do. So we have a couple things in common. They're not the right things I'd like to have in common with him, but hey, we got mm-hmm. something in common, right? Absolutely. So Lap time's not the, being one of them. Back to the Pulse show. 
back to the pulp show there uh of course yeah dark side he goes on stage right at the start of the show they pull dark side up on stage they pull jilly the hairstylist up on stage and Kiefer gets to cut in the pony and they separate the pony into like four separate ponytails on the back so we had like four four mini ponies essentially it's like a stable Kiefer cuts the first one off yeah exactly had the whole stable of ponies there Kiefer sets the first one free makes dark side spin around to the crowd not too much of a difference you know you can tell the pony gets a bit smaller cuts the second one off and now it just looks silly he's got like the biggest fattest rat tail you've ever seen in your life halfway down his back so then he cuts the third one and now there's just one lopsided ass pony hanging off his head cuts the last one and the crowd's just like losing their mind at this point because they're like all right well pony's gone they put the pony in the case and they take dark side out behind the stage to finish you know, rearranging his hairdo there after they killed his hair baby, or guess, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, the show ensued. Adam went up on stage. He had no idea about the haircut. So by the time they bring Dark Side back out, they ask Adam, like, oh, like, what do you think of, like, the ponytail cut? And Adam, you can tell he's red in the face. He doesn't want to touch that ponytail topic with a 10-foot pole. He's out. He's not having it, but, you know, they're questioning him about it. That's awesome. I like. I I just love the like, like you and I are both big fans of the Pulp Show. Like I I obviously I do my own podcast, but uh, the reason why I do my own podcast to begin with is because when, back in the day, listening to Pulp shows, like all he ever had was the review show and and the Pulp Show on Mondays. So by the time two Wednesday at noon or Wednesday morning rolls around, you need something to listen to, and that's when Bigger Max Radio slides in there, and that's why this episode is being dropped on the Wednesday. Um. You you go there. You get you you did kick in the extra. Uh, it was an extra dollar or an extra five dollars for uh, to get the a picture with the pony. So they just sort of had had you know, hey, we're gonna donate some money to the hairstylist. Take a picture with the pony in the case. Donate whatever you want. You know, five, ten, twenty, fifty. So typical Canadian tourist. Well, what do I have in my wallet? I got nothing but twenties. So I'm just like, hey, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to regret not saying the photo. So I ended up putting in a whole $20 US, which is probably 25 Canadian. Put yes. 20 into the pot, took a photo with the ponytail. Now I have to live with myself that I held a man's ponytail in my hand. So I don't really know what to feel. <laughs> what were you thinking about uh, the, the the look that they ended up giving Darkseid? I thought they were going to go a little shorter. I thought they were going to give him a tight fade. Uh, they ended up giving him something a little bit more kind of like loose on the top and just sort of cleaned up the sides and the back. Um, he certain, I think he looks a whole lot better. He looks a lot more professional. That's for damn sure. Uh, but one thing that I said that I, that ended up coming true is the man himself has never, like, he hasn't taken care of like short hair in any way in his adult life. And I knew, like, the next day, like, he, like it's just going to be all over the place. Like, anything they leave up there is just going to be kind of a, like, a wispy, kind of whirling, whatever it became. Um, and I was totally right. Sunday roll, or Saturday rolls around, and, like, it was, I think it was all supposed to be sort of going one way. And um, by, like, noon on Saturday, which is about halfway through the day, he had, like, some sort of weird hair, like, kind of, like, center part thing going on with like this fuzz on each side. It was fantastic. 
yeah, I'm not sure if he knows even what to do with it. And I think if they went even shorter, he would have completely lost his mind. If that man can't run mm. his fingers through his hair and contemplate what's going on, I don't know if he's going to know what to do with himself. So I think they had to save him a little bit by giving him some hair to work with. But, yeah, he has no idea what's going on up there. He doesn't know which way it parts. He doesn't know which way it folds. He's just sort of – it's almost like he wore a toque all day and just took it off and just went with it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And then he – and he did. That's that's dark side. He sort of just runs it. Uh, but – and hats, hats off to the guy, man. Like, the, 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 the guy is uh, – he's all passion. Um so let's get back to uh, becoming a uh, an integral part of uh, of Van Martin's uh, racing team. And I, I guess that's the answer to the next question: is who did Dave ended up set, uh, setting you up with? You working with Van Martin, and um, like that also meant day race. You're going to be there nice and early. Tell me about uh, sort of um, meeting up with the team. Uh, you were there nice and early. Tell me, take take me through your Saturday, my friend. All right, so yeah, like you said, nice and early. I think I got to the stadium at around 6.15 by the time I got inside. First of all, I'd just like to say a huge shout-out to Van Martin. He had a very unfortunate get-off this weekend in qualifying, and yes. he has hurt his back pretty bad. He had a couple surgeries in Minneapolis. Um, he set up a road to recovery, and if you guys can donate or help out at all, if you guys want to head to his Instagram, it's vanman421, that's V-A-N-M-A-N-421. Go to his Instagram. There's a link for Road to Recovery. If you can donate anything at all, help him out. It'd be great. Van's a super nice guy. He was super awesome to help, let me interrupt his program, come and help him for the day. And he was super cool. His team was super cool. So if you guys could help him out, that'd be great. Absolutely. Yes, now that Road to Recovery uh, does some fantastic work. What were you about to say, though? So now that that's said, got to get that out of the way. So I show up at the track, 6.15. Van had already let me know he probably wasn't going to be there till you know, 6.45, 7 o'clock, right for track walk, which, as a rider, totally understand. I wanted to get there nice and early, draw my stuff off in the pits, and sort of fan out on all the factory bikes, just sort of seemingly just lying around in the, in the hallways down there. The, the lower concourse of the U.S. Bank Stadium was quite the spectacle on Saturday because normally, you know, you can get within 5, 10 feet of the bikes, but when you're walking down these hallways, you're two, three feet away from the factory bikes. And I think I bumped into Chase Sexton and Jet Lawrence like three or four times where they almost ran me over on their electric scooters riding around the concourse. Absolutely. And then on, <clears throat> on top of that, uh, would like confirm or deny that uh, at one point there was a particular privateer who um, had to brave the cold in nothing but a pair of underwear uh, in order to uh, to win a bet? Yeah, so I'm standing in the pit lane. This was at some point, I think, just after qualifying, and Kevin Moran's is having a conversation with the mechanic. He needs a clutch lever. So his mechanic offers him, I'll give you $100 to go out there as you are right now and go get this clutch lever. And he's, yeah, just in his boxers. And he's, no way, not a chance. Next guy in the next booth over, well, he's like, well, I'd put $100 on that. So now it's $200. And Kevin's thinking, okay, well, this is this is kind of tempting. So they go to Carnell. Carnell only offers 20 bucks, So they start heckling him for being a cheap ass. And uh, sure enough, before you know it, another dude comes in and chips in another 100 bucks. So. $320, Kevin Moran's is on his scooter. He's got nothing but boxers and socks on, and he's heading out to the parking lot for a clutch lever. Yeah, he screamed by me Mach 12, money. heading out towards the, yeah, the only where he only place he could have been going was out into the elements. 
And poor Kevin, Carnell was trying to tell him he's going to get frostbite out there. I assured him, I'm like, don't worry, as a Canadian, I can confirm you are not going to get frostbite in. Like, it was like minus five degrees Celsius. It, it was wasn't not, even that not cold. cold enough for that. <laughs> yeah, it was not that cold. So I found it quite comical. But they're coming from, you know, California, Texas area. They're, they're probably freezing. Oh, 100%. Like, like I, I listened to uh, the review show with Mathis and, and the Jasons, and they were talking about how, like, ungodly, like, it, it's, like, how can people survive in those temperatures? And I get it if you're coming from California. You're not used to that. You're not acclimated. Like, I came home on the Sunday. Yesterday was a holiday. It was minus 37 with the wind chill, and I spent an hour outside shoveling. And honestly, it wasn't even that bad. Like I was, I was loose and layered. I had a jacket on. I had a, I had a hoodie, uh, jacket, but I was just wearing jeans and work boots. And I was outside for at least an hour. And honestly, as long as you kept moving, it wasn't that bad. And it was a whole lot warmer in uh, in Minneapolis. So yeah, Moran's. Uh, I think I, I I take that every every day of the week. Three hundred and twenty dollars U.S. to go uh, to go grab. Uh, a clutch lever like heck honestly like, they they should have really they should have taken the underwear away from him really is is what what would what made it would made it work what is what would have would have made it worth it wow yeah i think honestly i would have just taken the 20 dollars from car now 20 dollars us that's i'd take that it's not that cold right <laughs> that gets and that gets you back even for the 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 pony cut yeah absolutely so going back to uh my morning here yeah um 7 a.m. track walk, absolutely unreal experience. Yeah, uh, tell me I, about I track walk, the... dude. This that is honestly, it's one of the highlights of being a part of the the collective experience. You might be able to go on one of those promoter track walks, but it's not the same as walking out there and seeing the who's who of current motocross and supercross uh, out there walking the track and looking at the different obstacles. Yeah, absolutely. I've done one of the VIP track walks for, you know, it's $50 or whatever, and you get to walk, you know, maybe one section there and back or two sections if you're lucky. But, yeah, doing the actual track walk with the riders, 7 a.m., I mean, it's a dirt early day race, but, like, I walked the whole track probably twice because I got there nice and early. I walked it almost the entire way, then Van showed up. So I went back and met up with him, and we walked the whole track together. We're scoping out the lines. I'm asking them, like, what are the different options because – me not really riding supercross like i don't know how these guys put lines together in the head so i'm kind of like hey like are you thinking you're gonna go three in here or is it gonna be always like a two three like what do you think so i always i was always asking van's opinion what he thought how he thought of the rhythm lane he said he was watching press day so he kind of had a little bit of insight on how these lines were going to develop so it was super cool to talk about that and like you just never can see on tv how freaking steep those jumps are like some of them you're walking up the face and you're like holy shit like how do they even go over this thing it's so straight up like it is it is next level how big these obstacles are on the track that you even from the stands in the front row at the lowest section you still can't tell how big they are until you go and hike your ass over them yourself oh 100 percent. like you stand on the takeoff of a triple or in in uh actually in in which case the 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 finish line this year or at, like at this particular event in, in Minneapolis, that thing send you out there. Like it, you're standing yeah. on the takeoff being like, how the hell do these guys make it? And honestly, like when, then when you watch them do practice, they jump the tabletop before the finish and then they're barely on the gas taking off. And you're just like, how, 
So, and yeah, like they, there was it's that absolutely mind blowing. You caught something faster than I did uh, during practice. The the quad uh, that uh, Sexton and a few others were doing in the middle of the track. Honestly, like it was it was pretty fast just to go step on, step off. But uh, um, yeah, when those guys were going over top of that thing, like basically like going 80 feet over top, like coming off of a three footer, um, that's pretty impressive. And yeah, like you said, those, those jump faces are so damn steep. Yeah, honestly, there was a few lines when I was walking the track, I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no way. And sure enough, right away, dudes are just absolutely sending it over. There was, there was two quads out there for sure, like, little short. They weren't like big rhythm lane quads where they're, you know, they're coming in two, three, four. But you come out of a corner and you go two, four, or you, you know, hit the little straight section and four into the corner. Like, that's no joke. That's serious jumping. Like, that was, it was crazy watching these guys do it after watch walking the track and, like, seeing how they actually can go over the obstacles, seeing how steep they are. It's, it's mind blowing. It is absolutely mind blowing. So after track walk, there's a little bit of a break. So I kind of hang, hang back in the pits. I get to meet Van's team. So he's down there for, he's from Texas. He's got a bunch of Texas boys with him. So he's like Kevin Moran's rides with him. Freddie Norn's part of that crew. And then they had some younger, uh, younger kids in the 250 class that are making their step up to the pros. So it was kind of cool watching them through their first day. You could tell they had like, they were super nervous about right racing supercross this weekend. Like Ty Freehill was his first supercross this weekend. He didn't make the, the night show, but it was cool watching him, you know, go out there for his first practice laps in the stadium and just get a feel for the whole thing. Happy he left the weekend healthy and he's on to Dallas. So hoping big things for some of those guys moving forward, but it was just cool to see the whole dynamic of the team. They're all joking around. They're talking about lines on the track, like, a really cool atmosphere to see this little small privateer team of all these dudes getting together and having a good weekend for sure it's, it's a great atmosphere to be around those guys and uh and, and just to, to vibe off of their energy to, like, the, they're so passionate about the sport um but then also at the same time like there's all these kids like they're they're making their pro debut like you said and then there's a lot of animosity and there's a lot of uh sort of uh anxiousness that comes along with that like uh um like when you when you see the even those guys and these guys are the the tip of the spear they've been winning their entire amateur careers uh, riding even they're a whole lot longer than you've even been around the sport period um, what do you think when you see these guys who are basically super hermon on two but on two wheels uh, still get a little bit nervous about uh, uh, about like hitting those jumps and, and knowing that they uh, that they go out on qualifying and in a very short amount of time they gotta go pretty damn fast. Yeah, it's it's definitely crazy. Like I didn't even know what to say. So Van comes off from the first qualifying, and so I was up in the stands and I was taking some footage of him. And Van was actually setting a good time, but he wasn't jumping uh, some of the bigger rhythms. And we're watching in my footage. You can see, you know, Kevin Rands who's on his team. He's doing the bigger rhythm, and then Van catches another spot. And you could see the frustration where he's like, "Oh man, like I can do these jumps, but I gotta, I just gotta do it. I'm overthinking it." So it's, yeah, it's crazy that even at the highest level, these dudes are the same way. Like everybody is when they ride on the track. Like if there's something that they know they can do, but they not, they're in their head about it. They know it. Like it's, it's really the same fundamentally, like mentally wise, no matter what level you're on, it seems it's just like getting over those humps. 
Yeah, exactly. Some of the same things that you and I deal with on race day. Uh, you see that see a big jump on the track that you're not too sure of, uh, something that's a bit of a risk-reward thing. And uh, it's pretty easy to psych yourselves out. These guys deal with it even at that level. Of course, they, they seem to overcome it a whole lot better than we do, but uh, that's why they're, uh, they're pros and uh, we're barely amateurs. Yeah, barely amateurs is right. So it was pretty cool. So yeah, you know, filming for qualifying, I sort of helped Vans Mechanic prep the bike. We walked it down to the line for qualifying to get a good gate pick. All that was super cool. Some of the other team responsibilities that I had as like being an intern on the collective experience was, you know, I'm running out to the truck with the little tow behind carts. I'm loading it up with the snacks, the bread, some parts that they thought they needed. Clutch lever. And, you know, wheeling it wheeling it all through the stadium like i think i must have walked thirty thousand steps on saturday because i'm all over the place it's around to the tunnel it's back up to the stands back into the pits out to the truck you come back the whole deal and then of course once qualifying was over i went with one of the other team ladies we went and picked up chipotle for all the riders so that's always nice you give everybody a nice chicken bowl to eat before before the night show and and you got uh some like uh some Chipotle that you probably would have otherwise not gotten because um, as as you're picking up Chipotle, Van Martin is uh, on his way to hospital to, like you said, get some uh, some much needed back surgeries. And we do wish him the the, the speediest of recoveries um, and go to his uh, Instagram to uh, to check out uh, the the funding that can that can you can be donated to uh, his road to recovery. Um, but you were able to uh, to enjoy some extra Chipotle. And, and that's uh, like that wasn't planned, but something yeah totally was nice i mean it saved me from having to experience what you had to experience being oh, charged 25 dollars for a mediocre hot dog or hamburger whatever you had there mediocre so, was yeah, generous apparently that was a johnsonville brat <laughs> yeah so super fortunate they, the team assured me that it was totally okay that i had one because i was like are you guys sure like someone definitely needs this more than i do but you know they assured it was okay so i got to enjoy some uh much needed Chipotle before the the races started. So and that that uh, it's uh, it's mandatory to go grab yourself something to eat uh, throughout the day. It's a super long day, especially when it starts nice and early the way you did. Um, shortly thereafter, uh, getting uh, getting some food. That's where our our paths crossed for the first time during the day, and. Like, give the the listeners at home, or maybe they're in their vehicle, I don't know where they listen to the Big MX Radio podcast, but, like, speak to, like, just how cool I am, and, and how, like, walking through the pits, just being, like, uh, the the biggest deal in the world, I'm being completely, um, I don't know if the right word's facetious, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm 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 kidding, of course. Uh, yeah. What 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 was your perception of, of me aimlessly walking through the pits, uh, like kind of pretending like I know everybody? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's pretending. I mean, uh, I've seen the connections you have. I mean, A1 was the same way. You know, we're walking around. You're you're being you're being invited into their pit area to take photos of the bike. You're talking to the mechanics. Somehow, you know all the mechanics. The mechanics are all your friends, which. To me, it's probably the best people you want to have friends with if you want to get some cool stuff at the races. 100%. So it's always cool watching you walk around, you know, you know, the PC wrenches, you know, the HRC mechanics, like, so. It, so you get to hate everybody. 
and it's it's really cool to watch because me personally like that's that's a huge thing to me like anytime one of these guys recognizes me from a past experience of seeing them it's like you know that like brings some warmth to my heart because it's like oh that's so cool and like you're a little bit more of an industry guy than I am so maybe it's the effects worn off a little bit but I'm sure you get that same feeling every time these guys you know acknowledge you and talk to you back it's just it's always cool to see and especially someone that I know personally I'm just like oh, that's so awesome because I know you love this stuff just as much as I do. Oh, it's a sick addiction, man, and absolutely. I still, uh, like, still revs me up when guys like Frankie Latham or Brandon Zimmerman uh, from HRC, like, uh, I, I see Kyle Defoe from P- PC. Uh, he's a pro-, pro circuit wrench for uh, um, Cameron McAdoo. Uh, these guys are, uh, like, they've been, they've been there for years, and it's so cool to be able to connect with those guys. Yeah, when they, they recognize me, and they, they're, they're willing to come and let me take pictures of their motorcycle, get nice and close, uh, turn the bars, and uh, get and actually touch the damn thing. It, it's, it's those, like, so many times when I was a kid, I could only have just dreamed to be on the other side of the velvet rope, and uh, to know that I've now worked hard enough and long enough through doing the podcast that I've now earned a place to, to be able to stand next to those machines at the very least is uh is a really cool thing and uh man it was really cool honestly to see you be, to be able to do something similar to that and, and like uh like a ray uh, uh recognized you i think jason anderson uh the winner on the night uh recognized you as well like that's uh that, that's about as high a praise as you can possibly get man yeah absolutely i was over the moon of course walk in the pits with you you have to show off big time but <laughs> when the night show started, that's where I got to, that's where I got to shine this weekend. Um, had an incredible experience. Um, when the night show got started, you know, I'm sort of standing around going like, okay, well, I got this track access band on my wrist, and I'm like, I kind of want a closer experience. Like, I want to get even closer to the action than I've been all day. So, had to make had to make a good decision here and. I roll down to the uh, the tunnel for the opening ceremonies and I'm just, you know, waiting in line with all the 250 riders. I got my team shirt on. I got my wristband credential and I'm just waiting. The 250 riders all start rolling out for their first heat race. What do I do? I just walk on out with them. I go stand behind the start straight with, with the big foam tough blocks behind the gate. And I just basically, that's where I set up shop for the heat races, just on the stadium floor around the starting gates. And you were from the press box, and you could you definitely sent me some photos of me aimlessly walking around trying to blend into the walls down there. Oh, you were just loitering. This is my maybe my favorite part of the whole day. Like I'm trying to uh, pay attention to the heat races, and all I keep doing is look at like where is James now? I like you. You were just like. Uh, you're trying to blend in. You're 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 standing with mechanics. You're you're standing next to the the start gate. You even said at some point uh, you're trying to get a, a, a picture of the start. And Frankie Latham's looking over at you like, what kind of sport am I part of? And yeah, no, it was really entertaining to watch. And uh, it like it was. Like, good on you for taking, uh, I wouldn't say taking advantage, but using your access to, uh, yeah, like, uh, Van Martin's day might have been done, but James Dolman's wasn't. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, s- like, kind of sneaking your way, not really sneaking your way, just kind of incognitoing your way onto the track and uh, getting an experience that few else get to have. So that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, absolutely. I had my iPhone out like it was a GoPro. I recorded almost the entire time I was down there. So when I first started, you know, I stay behind the phone blocks and I get a couple videos of the 250 races from behind. But, you know, the longer I'm out there, I'm like thinking like, okay, well, what else can I see? So I'm creeping closer, creeping closer, getting a little bit closer. And by the time, yeah, the 450 first heat comes around, my iPhone's pointed at the front of the gates facing the riders when the gate drops. And I'm no longer behind the gates. I'm down near on the track at this point, standing over the tough blocks, trying to get a shot at the start. And, um, yeah, Frankie Latham looks at me like, what is this guy doing? Like, I'm basically kneeling on the ground. I got my phone out over the tough block down near in the way of the riders. I'm trying to get a cool video for Instagram. And uh, that that was probably my final moment out there because shortly after the 450 first heat race ends, I, I don't remember if it was a Feld or an AMA chick, but she comes up and she's got a headset on and she just asks me, like, are you a mechanic? Like basically thinking like, basically asking me like, what are you doing down here? She's like, we, I got told that you've just been loitering down here, like standing here. And I'm, I'm, my face must've turned beet red and I'm just start grinning. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I'm definitely in the wrong here. Like I'm not supposed to be here. My rider's, you know, out for the day. And I just wanted to come take a look at the races and she, you know, she starts telling me, yeah, you should probably go. And I'm just like, hands up, like, okay, yep. I'm just going to go. Like, I'm not going to fight it. And I just sort of, make a beeline straight for the pits and I'm just laughing to myself the whole way out of the pits, make it up to the stadium floor. I just hopped in a random seat to watch the second 450 heat. And uh, from there, things got a little bit more interesting. Do you mind to uh, share on your part of how I got up to the uh, press box to watch the mains? Well, yeah, first of all, uh, you can once again thank me because I greased the guys at the, uh, the the security guards. I told them, if I have a guy who's supposed to be on the floor, like technically he has more access than I do, can he come up and watch from the press box? And uh, yeah, he's like, well, if your buddy comes up, I promise not to rough him up too bad. And uh, yeah, we, we got you up there for a little bit of, uh, um, were you up there for qualifying at all? No. Yeah, I made it up for all of five minutes, but I don't even think there was riders on the track. I just basically poked my head up there, mm. stole a Gatorade, yep. and got on my way again back downstairs. Yes, that's when we went down. And then, uh, yeah, and then after, shortly thereafter, uh, after you get booted, and I love the fact that you, like they like there was eyes on, like as much as I was watching what's James doing, there was somebody uh, on either on the broadcast uh, team or, or with AMA that was like, who is this um, curly-haired kid with a with a toque on? Uh, they probably called it a beanie. Uh, just kind of sort of milling around on the floor. Uh, he needs to go. You get booted um, to a, to a more even more exclusive area of the stadium than the floor, which is uh, the illustrious press box where myself, as well as uh, Wygant, Mathis, Darkside, as well as uh, Chris Keeper, were all residing uh, to uh, to watch the rest of the races. So uh, yeah, you had you you and how you got up there is still a mystery to me because I still don't know if you know which elevator to take uh to go up or down into the press box but you did in fact make it and uh yeah you were you were welcomed uh with open arms i, I believe you at, at some point were even in like the the purple club uh which is an exclusive area of the stadium uh watching the uh, one of the lcqs so uh yeah you're you're an absolute yeah. menace, menace to society 
<laughs> yeah, I was just tearing up the stadium. I went where I pleased. Yeah, you're right. I couldn't find the elevator of the press box. I took it like three times before, but for life me, couldn't find it. I take one elevator. I'm in the purple club. She tells me it's at the other end, so I walk the entire suite floor just to hit a dead end, take some escalators down, walk further around the stadium, find another elevator, and I'm like, well, this one's got to be the right one. So I hop in that elevator, and yep, sure enough, I end up at the press box. So I'm like, all right gonna walk on in like like I own the place like I have everywhere else walk in and there's like seven security guards there and they're all you know hey where's your credentials so I show them my multitude of colorful armbands between my paddock pass my track pass my yellow pulp live show pass and they're looking at each other like this dude doesn't have the right credential but that guy you greased up comes around the corner and he's like oh he was in here earlier come on in so I stroll on up beside you and I plop down in the press box and we watch the main events. And it was, that's probably one of the coolest places to watch the races from. It's a little bit removed from down and being, you know, on the stadium floor per se, but you get a nice view of the track and it's really easy to watch all the action unfold down there. Absolutely. The bird's eye view. And we were treated to, to mostly some good racing. You actually came up for two of the most boring races of the night. Um, Jet Lawrence just, Peace out. See you later. 250 main event. Uh, he didn't lead the le- the first lap, but he led the rest of them. Uh, gapped everybody. It, I think it was like two seconds back to Forkner and two seconds back to McAdoo. Not a whole lot happening in that race. Um, and like, then the 450 main goes off, and uh, we both thought this is a huge night for Ch- for Chase Sexton. Knifes the front end after letting it slide a little bit coming out of that one corner, and he hits the deck hard, um, relinquishing the lead and uh, and allowing uh, Jason Anderson to go on to his third win of the ra- of the year. Uh, pretty wild to go watch that up uh, up from the press box, man. Yeah, it was definitely something. Yeah, like you said, Jet Jet was just the class of the field. I mean. He got the start, and he, I mean, he started second. He passed Fork and Railways, and he just sort of rode his race, and nothing really happened up front. I mean, Fork and Road in second, McAdoo rode in third, and they all sort of just yo-yoed a little bit. Uh, we had, a, you know, a classic Jordan Smith crash, just seemingly out of nowhere for no reason. Phil almost getting hit by a dirt bike. What else could you want from 250 class? I mean, everything seems to be normal there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, uh, Death Cross was in full effect. Um, there was um, there, there was some tricky rhythm sections. Phil was getting, uh, like, uh, bikes thrown at him at different times throughout the evening. Uh, I, I think at one point he threatened uh, Austin Forkner's life. Um, and and that, that's just uh, a day in the life of, uh, of going to a Monster Energy Supercross. So uh, um, safe to say that you'd sign yourself up for this whole thing all over again? Oh, I'm looking to do it again in Salt Lake City already. I'm already booking as much as I can. Like, huh, it's so hard to come home and go back to real life after a weekend like that. Because I'm just like, like, I should be going to Dallas. Like, I should be going to all these races. Like, how do I, like, now it's like, okay, well, should I just, throw away my real job and become an intern for supercross i mean obviously no because that'd be crazy expensive and not a very good choice but like man that would be exciting 
Oh hell yeah! No, it's uh, there's you you totally understand the the reason why people uh, chase it as long as they do, and they they're so dedicated to the sport. The people who have been in it for so long, uh, it's an addictive thing. Honestly, like I'm, I'm I was on my way back thinking, okay, what other races can I afford to go to? Uh, which ones can I uh, can I trip out to? Like this one, I drove. Like driving's not so bad. Maybe I could do it again. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll 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 see what the uh, the schedule in, uh, looks like. Uh, I certainly think that we have to uh, make some time to go down to Salt Lake final round of the series and uh, as of right now with only a three-point gap between uh, Eli Tomek and uh, uh, Jason Anderson uh, it looks like it might very well go right down to the wire so uh, hopefully it does and you and I'll be trackside yeah I'm super excited for this 450 series yeah the race this weekend was super weird when Chase crashed and I mean I'm a huge Jason Anderson fan. I wear the Team Fried merch. I live the Team Fried lifestyle, you could say. And I was all excited about that, but I'm just like, holy crap. Like, Chase just down near died out there. But I'm super pumped the way the points are. I mean, Eli had a bit of a rough night, so that was the point shakeup we needed. Mookie, unfortunately, also had a bad night. But if you look at the standings, he's still only 20 points back, and you're just like, holy, like, anything could happen. And, like, Mookie could end up with this title still. Like, there's crazy points between these guys that it's like really not that far like even going back like bam's not too far behind there cooper webb's not far even chase is still just over a race out like and we got a lot of racing left so it's going to be really good i'm super excited to see this thing unfold and yeah if i can get down to the finale i think that's that's the trifecta you want round one round one of the east coast and the season finale where everybody meets up couldn't ask for much better season so i'm hoping to hoping to make that happen no doubt, man. Well, let's uh, let, let's earmark that for uh, the next time that we'll have you uh, come on the Big MX Radio podcast here, the second month, the 22nd day of 2022. There's all kinds of Tuesdays going on um, on, on this beautiful uh, Tuesday evening. This podcast drops on the Wednesday. Um, for those who are still interested, go to thecollectivexp.com or or go follow the Collective EX on Instagram. Dave Drake's uh, the Collective Experience, hooking it up uh, and making it pretty damn easy to uh, to create an uh, an unforgettable weekend for my good friend. Uh, James Dahlman, and uh, hopefully doing uh, much the same for uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Kieran McCullough, who unfortunately wasn't able to uh, to join us this weekend. But I think you and I figured out a way to make it up to him uh, uh, when, when we all get back together in a few weeks' time when you come back from uh, the beautiful province of Saskatchewan. And that, that's not that wasn't a mispronunciation. That's actually a province here up in Canada. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it'll be fun to have all uh, both of you guys on to talk about your experience with TCE uh, after Salt Lake City. Yeah, I'm super excited, and yeah, Kieran's gonna be stoked. One last thing. Yes. Definitely gotta promote it, guys. Don't forget, Brad's giving away a YZ250 this year. Go buy some tickets, because if you guys keep leaving them, I'm gonna end up buying all of them. Because every time I get paid, I'm gonna drop a boatload of money on tickets. I need a new bike so bad. I would love a new bike. But please don't let me buy all these tickets by myself. It'll look really weird. So go out and buy some tickets. The Big MX Radio raffle is going to be super sweet. Seriously, go get some tickets. 
Get your tickets while they last. Thank you, James, for plugging that. I really do appreciate it. Uh, tickets will sell out for this thing. Uh, so, like, get get your tickets while they still last. BigMXRadio.com. The post is pinned to the very top. Uh, one, one ticket for $20, three tickets for $50. If you want to get 10 tickets, uh, that way uh, you can win multiple prizes. Um or at least give yourself the best chance to win that YZ252 stroke, uh, you're going to want to spend uh, 120 bucks US to get 10 tickets. Uh, that'll get you in for just about every prize. There's a total of 12 prizes. Uh, of course, the top one being the YZ252 stroke 2022 edition, uh, and it is the Monster Edition bike that I was told uh, by the uh, the dealership that I'm having brought bring one in here locally. Uh, but I have also worked with... Yamaha Canada and a couple of dealerships nationwide that if uh, if someone uh, some outside the province wins it uh, will be able to ship that bike to them no problem same goes with my good friend Mike Ulrich all the way down from uh, California he knows if the if there's someone in the U.S. that ends up uh, winning it that uh, the the bike will be able to be shipped that way and if an international person wins it if someone from Australia we've had people uh, buying tickets from Germany as well as uh, France and England and Ireland uh, if someone from one of those countries wins we're going to work with a local dealer near you or we're going to forward you the amount of money that would purchase a brand new YZ252 stroke, and you can put that towards uh, the bike of your choice. So maybe you'll be getting something completely different, but uh, whoever wins it is getting a dirt bike by hook or by crook, and uh, you can go to BigMXRadio.com to buy your tickets, and I hope you go do so, because all the, the proceeds that we're putting together is going to go towards hosting some clinics, and the whole idea behind that is not only to host the clinics, but also to make it extremely affordable, hopefully even free for the, those who participate in those clinics so Dave, uh, so james you might end up uh winning a motorcycle and then actually learning how to ride it for free oh, well that's what i really need can i just learn how to ride dirt bike anyways regardless if i win or not perfect we'll, we'll see if we can arrange that once the snow melts uh and uh, and that might be a while because uh, we got another 12 inches over the weekend uh but uh it is what it is um James, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. This was a ton of fun to have you on. You're you're a great guest and uh, so passionate about the sport. Really appreciate you taking the time because, uh, yeah, as of uh, t- tomorrow morning around 7 a.m., uh, your ass is back on the job site. Yep, you betcha. Thanks for having me, Brad. It was super fun. I'm only going to get better at this, I promise. And just don't make me uneligible for prizes like Darkseid. Best of luck to you. Um, Appreciate the time, James. Do not hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. And there you have it, guys. That's the interview with James Dahlman. Great to have him on. Um, just such a, a a guy who has so much passion for the sport. He absolutely loves it. He works so hard as a Red Seal electrician uh, in order to be able to ride his bike as often as he can. He goes down to Southern California, um, goes to the tracks, meets the riders, spends the time. And uh, those are exactly the types of fans that I do this podcast for. Um, people who are listening to this right now, if you're listening to this part of the podcast i greatly appreciate you for taking the time to listen to my podcasts um and if you have any feedback i'd love to hear it um i answer every single dm that i ever get sent um if it's regarding to the podcast if you have requests and who you'd like to hear um the only person that uh uh, you won't you will hear you won't hear less of on the podcast is me uh because i'm on all these podcasts but uh regardless 
Uh, hopefully you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the podcast last weekend when, uh, or last week when I let uh, a few young ladies take over the podcast in the, uh, the Berms crew with uh, Danica White and all of her friends. So uh, yeah, it's, we're trying to do more and more every single week. And uh, if nothing else, staying steady with podcasts coming out every Wednesday. Shout out to Sean Wedge, who's probably uh, on the treadmill right now or uh, doing uh, doing some weightlifting at uh, Centennial Gym. He opens these podcasts for around 53 minutes, and I think we're just around that time. Uh, I don't know why 53 minutes is exactly his uh, his timing for his workouts, but either way, that's what he likes. Uh, that's what we try and give him. So uh, shout out to you, Sean. Looking forward to going riding this summer, as well as shout out to uh, my good friend, uh, JC, over at Fox Racing, and uh, the more those guys point out, the more I, I do mention that everyone's a good friend of mine, so, uh, but I like to think I have quite a few friends, so uh, I'm sticking with it. Um, thanks for everybody for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I really appreciate it. Go to BigMXRadio.com to get your raffle tickets before those tickets are gone. Um, you guys have yourselves a great rest of your night. Thanks for listening.